So the pink sheet has our hymn for the second Sunday in Lent. Uh, The hymn is, O Faithful God, We Worship Thee. Pretty familiar tune and words uh, together. Uh, Hymn goes back to 1572, actually, um, where it was published as one of six catechism hymns. Hmm. How many six chief? Oh, I just told you there's six chief parts. <laughs> How many six chief parts are there? Six. Trick question. So, what do you think? It's got to be one of them. Which of the six chief parts does this uh, hymn fit for? Yes. Confession and absolution. <laughs> It is. It is an absolution hymn. Uh, the title, uh, or, or at least, you know, we, we tend to have sections of the hymnal. This was how one may find comfort in the blessed absolution. Uh, this was uh, said that's what the hymn was for. It's written by Nicholas Selnecker, uh, one of the uh, Formula of Concord writers. All right, let's take a look at it. Uh, It's only found in TLH, not found uh, in the other ones. O faithful God, we worship Thee. O faithful God, we worship Thee. Thou pardonst our iniquity. Thou pardonst our iniquity. Thou grantest help in sin's distress. Thou grantest help in sin's distress. And soul and body Thou dost bless. So it begins by speaking of the absolution. It talks about how we are pardoned. Uh, We worship the God who pardons our sins, who doesn't hold it against us, uh, who sends away those sins, our iniquity, as it speaks about it, the wickedness uh, which we have done, our thoughts, words, and deeds, which come from our sinful nature. And by means of this pardon, this forgiveness, it tells us that thou grantest help in sin's distress, in the midst of uh, the conscience, uh, distress over sin, the, uh, uh, the worry that we have an angry God or that we are going to be punished or we're receiving the, uh, our due or we're not going to receive heaven but hell. In the midst of all this, this absolution gives help to the sinner who is in distress. And more than that, we know, last line, that he blesses us, he showers upon us, having forgiven us. He gives us things for soul and body, both. Um, no, he is not uh, uh, out to get a piece of our flesh and to, uh, to harm us. Uh, He's going to bless us. So this is the kind of faithful God that we have. That's the one, as it says, O faithful God, we worship thee, the one who acts in this way. Stanza two. Well, we got four stanzas this time. We can get through all of them. Thou through thy servant sayest to me. Thou through thy servant sayest to me. Thy sins are all forgiven thee. Thy sins are all forgiven thee. Depart in peace, but sin no more. 
Depart in peace, but sin no more. And ere my pardoning grace adore. And ere my pardoning grace adore. That heir is ever wants us to always be uh, adoring his pardoning grace. So, uh, stanza one tells us about the God that we have. Two, it tells us the way in which this absolution, it comes through the servant, the one that God has chosen to be the pastor, to preach the word, uh, to tell us, well, God's announcement that thy sins are all forgiven thee. Uh, he then sends us out in peace, saying we, we need not fear. We can trust in these words. Uh, we can depart in peace. Uh, reminds us, yes, um, you know, with this, we don't want to return to our sin. We uh, uh, wish to use this that we might amend our sinful life and that we might always, as we are, uh, says here, adore the pardoning grace of God. That would lead us not to return. Uh, to our sins. It would uh, lead us to wish to uh, to fight against it. Stanza three. O Lord, we bless thy gracious heart. O Lord, we bless thy gracious heart. For thou thyself dost heal our smart. For thou thyself dost heal our smart. That's kind of an old way of saying it. What's our smart? our pain. It's the point, the, the place that hurts and all. And so, uh, through Christ our Savior's precious blood, through Christ our Savior's precious blood, which for the sake of sinners flowed, which for the sake of sinners flowed. As I mentioned even in our Bible class, Particular the 1920s and kind of on, it became quite popular. The the social gospel, uh, the social gospel was about helping helping people in in uh, in food kitchens, helping them by building houses for them, helping them by whatever might uh, might be um, the social gospel to help them with. Justice and, and all. Um, here we have the Lord who is pardoning our sins and healing our smart. How does that compare to that social gospel? Well, this is something that's eternal and that deal, deals with our real issue. Because, you know, being poor and without is a horrendous thing, but that's only here. That's only now. A real issue. Okay. Eternal and temporal? Well, I'd say one is justification. The social gospel is really the same. It's just love your neighbor issues, which are good things. The Lord wants us to love our neighbor, but that's not the job of the church. That's for you to do in your daily life, but uh, right. And so the Lord says, no, I know what, you know, we, we complain about our worry. The Lord says, I've, I've, got, I've got forgiveness of sins. We complain about our afflictions. The Lord says, well, I've got this forgiveness of sins for you. Is, is, you say, well, no, he's not listening. No, that does help us. It takes away our worry. 
It allows us to stand up amidst our afflictions. In the midst of death, it gives us the promise of eternal life. Uh, It gives us the help to go against our temptations and to say no, that we might amend our sinful lives. So, yes, he does know what the real issue is, as Mark said. He knows what the, uh, uh, the source of all these things. So he's going to go to the fountain and he's going to heal. With forgiveness. Well, you know, we don't we don't take our money with us when we die, but we don't take our poverty and our afflictions with us either. Right. We don't take our health with us. The Lord gives us what we need. Gives us perfect healing. Gives us more than yes, absolutely. All right, stanza number four. Give us thy spirit, peace afford. Give us thy spirit, peace afford. Now and forever, gracious Lord. Now and forever, gracious Lord. Thy word and holy sacrament. Thy word and holy sacraments. Preserve to us till life is spent. Preserve to us till life is spent. So the one who gives us forgiveness also gives us of his spirit. He gives us uh, that Holy Spirit that comforts us, assures us, works that faith in our heart as well as renewal. Uh, so that, yes. Um, and here, he continues to provide, as Selnecker says, the word and holy sacrament uh, that's going to help us. Tonight we'll be taking a look uh, at the third question of, of Lord's Supper, where in fact uh, it speaks about the very benefits that we get uh, from the Lord's Supper. All right, stanza number one of the hymn. <coughs> of the altar. We looked at what it is, the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where is this written? It's written in the words of institution. We saw that there the Lord tells us what he desires uh, and, and what he is doing, what he is giving. And we saw last time that what he is giving to us is none other than a sacrament. The primary purpose of the Lord's Supper is that it might give us the forgiveness of sins. Third question. What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? Repeat after me. These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Show us that in the sacrament. Show us that in the sacrament. Forgiveness of sins, life and salvation. Forgiveness of sins, life and salvation. Are given us through these words. Are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins. For where there is forgiveness of sins. There is also life and salvation. There is also life and salvation. What's the benefit? The words tell us 
We go right back to them. Um, and Jesus himself said, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Now, um, this is not a sacrifice where, and that would be a propitiatory sacrifice, it's not something where we offer to God something, here, this wonderful mass, we offer it up to you, and God gives us forgiveness of sins, then you would get forgiveness. But that's not what it says. In fact, we read in the scriptures that, well, there are some things that get in the way of this. One person in particular is Jesus. Who made the last sacrifice? The last propitiatory sacrifice was Jesus. Um, he said it is finished. He is done with that. In uh, uh, the book of Hebrews, is there going to be continual sacrifices? No, there were in the Old Testament until Christ came. And now it is done. It is done. Uh, there is to be no more sacrifices. Um, what about priests? No, the high priest has come. The one who has fulfilled it all. And so he is here and he has come. So no, we don't have. That's not what this is. It is about giving to us the forgiveness of sins. Now, you've been baptized. And, well, isn't that good enough? Maybe you don't. Do you need this forgiveness of sins? Did you get forgiveness in, in your baptism? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you're born again. You became a child of God. Now what? You need forgiveness? Yes, because I'm still wrestling with my old Adam. Yes. And that's why I come here God's word. Ooh, you are right. You are exactly right. If your sinful, if your sinful nature, if your old Adam was gone, the baptism would be good enough. Then, <laughs> but baptism isn't a one and done thing either. It's it's not you're baptized, okay, you're forgiven from this point on, and then everything you do after that, well, you got to go get forgiveness for that. That is your forgiveness, right? That that is true, and we do speak of baptism in those ways. In fact, we often speak of confession absolution as a return to our baptism, right? A continual washing, a dying, going back and reminding. So you're right. Uh, though it happens once, it is not something that is left behind. Um, it is also not something that is, uh, you know, as, as Karen said, because of our sinful nature, um, it's not something where you say, well, this just takes it all away and and and. That no, I, I'm still going to be struggling with. I still need to use this. Now I actually have the option to do good. You are correct. Before that, I did not. I have a free will. Um, right. At this point, the Lord has renewed us. Um, as He forgives, He also renews the heart. Now there is a struggle going on within. Am I going to do what is right, or am I going to do what is wrong? The Lord provides and is gracious, not only as a given baptism, not only as he given to us an absolution that we might, but he has also given to us a meal. And he says, listen, just as someone has been born again, now you've got to feed them. The Lord says, let me feed you. I have got food for your soul. I've got that, this which is strengthening and helping. Hmm. 
always just choose, you know, the right thing to do. But it is a comfort when the pastor says, well, you're struggling with it. That is a sign of a believer that, you know, mm -hmm. that I'm not just giving myself over to sin, but I struggle with it. Now, I'm not there yet. I'm not saying that that's the final victory, but there is some comfort in that. Does that make sense? Yes. And so, when there is the fight that is going on after you have been born again, this fight against sin, as you say, you realize that, you know, I'd like to say I always do right, but that would be a complete lie. Right? But what happens then? You say, it, it troubles me. It troubles me. Because of our weakness, because of our troubles... Yes. Um, now, for those who do not care, they think that they are good enough. They got it. They're good. We go, wait a minute. No, I know I'm not good enough. But I can fall off on the other side, which is what? I'm so good, I don't need God. No, I am so bad, God can't help. Okay. I despair. I give up. Um, oh, I have fallen into sin. Now for... Well, been living a long time. How many years? How many weeks? Come back again. Um, really? Maybe God isn't. We, we doubt. We doubt God. We are weak. And so that we might be comforted, the Lord has told this, to do this. And he wants it done often. That what might happen? That we might call to mind, first of all, the redemption, the suffering and death of Jesus Christ what he did for us, his sacrifice, not our sacrifice, his. Um, and why? Because we don't often think about it. As we leave behind our baptism, we also leave behind Jesus. When we go about our day and we get pretty busy and we go, you know what, I really haven't thought about praying or Jesus much today at all. And so he provides that. He provides in this sacrament the comfort of knowing that what? I'm giving you the forgiveness of sins. And I want you to know, you know, you don't deserve it, but I'm giving it to you. Do not, because of your weakness, pull back. Do not despair upon it. Don't think I can't. Come. Uh, here I am, welcoming you uh, that it might. And again, that comfort is because it does bother us what we have done and what we have done. We become <sighs> impatient. Uh, instead of letting God work in his time, we decide, well, if I haven't gotten it at this point, I guess I never will. Um, no, the Lord is providing this which is here. And he wants us to know as... When, when did he institute this, Neil? On Monday, Thursday. What does it say? On the night... He was betrayed right before the last thing that he could actually do. He knew he had this amount of time, and then Judas was going to come, and at this point he was going, he couldn't do this anymore. He waits until the last time, we call it the last will and testament as well, but he waits until the last time that he might tell them, right before the thing that he's going to do, let me let you know, I intend this for you. I'm giving it for you. And so he's, he's providing uh, um, the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sins. 
uh, we need this kind of daily cleansing. Where there is forgiveness of sins that comforts us, that gives us these things in which he, he gives us food for our soul, there is also life. Um, it's often quite common uh, for those who are coming to Lord's Supper uh, to take a moment at the pew to uh, uh, to bow their head and to ask the Lord um, concerning, well, Lord, here's the things that you know stand out this week as sins, and here's the thing that I need. I need help as I need patience with my child or patience with my parent. Or I need help in the midst of this affliction. Or I need to be strengthened in my uh, uh, love for others and not losing my... Whatever it might be. And then to come to Lord's Supper and having received it, to thank the Lord and ask him for those helps. The helps that we need. Yes, we look at this and say, where there's forgiveness of sins, he's giving not just eternal life, but life here. A, a, a new life, a strength for living. Uh, life and salvation. We're saved from those things which rise up uh, uh, against us. Whoever believes... Oh, wait. Benefit. Uh, there's also forgiveness of sins. There's also life and salvation. Primary purpose? To receive forgiveness. Secondary purpose? Definitely not a propitiatory sacrifice to try to earn something like forgiveness of sins, but a Thanksgiving sacrifice, a Eucharistic sacrifice, one in which we come to receive what he has done for us to show that we're thankful for it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, that we might thank him for this gift which he has given, which uh, helps us so uh, tremendously. Questions? All right. We've got time for my or my verse tonight. Very good. All right. Philippians three verse nine. And be found in him. And be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own. Not having a righteousness of my own. Not having a righteousness of my own. That comes from the law. That comes from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ. But that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God. The righteousness that comes from God. And is by faith. And is by faith. So, as Paul is going on, he says, For whatever was to my profit, I now consider as a loss for the sake of Christ. All the stuff that I did, it just, it's not good enough. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own, which comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. So, when I'm now that I know Christ, I'm in Him. Think of being covered up, being put in Him. 
I've got a righteousness. A righteousness not from the law. Yeah. Not a righteousness of my own. It's not my, I did righteous deeds and here's the right. What righteousness do you have to show? Well, I have this and this and this. It's not that righteousness. Paul said, I consider that rubbish. I consider that a loss to knowing Christ. Now that I know Christ, I've got a righteousness that what? Is from him. By faith, I grab onto his righteousness. Hmm. Are you a saint? Are you holy? Yes, I am. Why? Not because of what I did. It's because I grabbed onto Jesus. And it's his righteousness that belongs to me that is uh, my righteousness. And so, Philippians 3.9 speaks of this righteousness that comes from God, and it is received by faith. So we have two righteousnesses. A righteousness of the law, which comes from what I do, and a righteousness that comes from Christ, which is received by, by faith. Um, that is the distinction. Law and gospel, yes, um, those kind of things. Even as we've talked tonight about the life of sanctification, the life that the believer of, of good works, you know, that is not the righteousness that I trust in either. It is so imperfect. All right, Philippians 3, verse 9. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. But that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Philippians 3, verse 9. Very good. All right, let me light the candles and we'll begin. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Make Haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Praise you, O Christ, Lamb of our salvation. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. It's Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. 
But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This is God's word. Our hymn on your pink sheet, O faithful God, we worship thee. against Canaanite land. And guess what? Who comes to uh, see him? A woman of? If he didn't want Gentiles, Canaanites to come to him, he could have stayed right in the middle of Jewish country. So, does he love this woman? Does he care about her? Does he want to help her? In fact, yes, to all of those. And that's the reason why he has gone off to that side. Though he's staying in Jewish territory, he's surely uh, uh, reaching out to them as well. This woman of Canaan from that region, from over there, she comes to him and says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. 
Mm. All right, so this is for the second Sunday in Lent. We had a, a man that came to Jesus in the Gethsemane season. Remember that guy? He, what was his situation? He was blind. He was blind. Yeah. And so they were on the way to Jerusalem, Quinquagesima. Um, and the disciples at the beginning of that reading, they didn't know three different ways. But then this blind man, probably Bartimaeus, you put the counts together, um, cries out. Pretty similar, isn't it, Mark? What are the, what are the things that you notice? Son of David, both of these people recognize who he is. Now, that is very surprising. Why? She's a Canaanite. She's a Canaanite. The Jews had the word of God. They had the law. They had the Old Testament. The Gentiles did not. For this woman to describe him as the son of David lets us know that she is a believer. She trusts in. Yes, she's a Gentile. But she is one who trusts in the God of the Jews. She's heard the message. She's heard from the scriptures. I don't know how. I don't know why, you know, how much, but she knows that much. And so she calls him her Lord. Wow. And son of David, the promised Messiah, uh, the one who's going to save us. Uh, and she cries out to him for mercy. How did Jesus treat that blind man? He stopped the parade. You know, everyone else said, tell him to be quiet. No, bring that guy over to me. Um, yes, Jesus wanted to know and he helped him. Hmm. You might expect a similar situation here. Stopping everything, coming and whatever. It sure doesn't look like the same Jesus. Now, the blind man, when he cried out for mercy, wanted what? His sight. His sight. This woman who cries out for mercy wants for her daughter, healing for her daughter, not even for herself. Um, We also at times, every service, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, we are always crying out for mercy for various things. And and yes, maybe it's not even explicitly said all the time because you're to fill in your particular situation as you are praying those words. Well, this one is asking for her daughter. Uh, The situation is she is demon-possessed. Verse 23, But he answered her not a word. Well, um, he ignores her. He doesn't stop the parade. He doesn't say, bring her to me. He doesn't talk to her. He says nothing to her. Answered her not a word. The disciples think they know what this means. What do they say? Of course, you don't want anything to do with this woman. Let's get her out of here. That's exactly what they uh, uh, figure out from this. He is teaching his apostles. (laughs) I mean, good. Jesus is coming for the believer, but this is for the apostles, telling them, just because you're Jews, you're you're not special because of your lineage. And you're about to have to preach to these people, and you're about to find out. <laughs> Very good. 
Um, now, of course he is teaching the woman. But, you know, what is he trying to do? He is also teaching his apostles. These are the ones who are going to follow in his stead. In a way, it reminds me of learning in Sunday school how pietism has infected us all because that's what we grew up in. In the same way, the assumption that lineage and Judaism is based on descendants, like, that that matters, that your bloodline is what defines that. Because this is, this is what they grew up in with the Pharisees and Sadducees teaching that. And also, you can tell, the Jews would say, by your situation. If you are healthy, wealthy, and wise, if you are blessed, then God must love you. What did the disciples not understand? It's not about the purpose-driven life. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. You better put that book away, yes. Um, exactly. So, when Jesus does not answer her a word, they don't know Jesus. That is a problem. The problem is, is that they don't understand that this is a Jesus who desires to help, and he desires to help this Gentile woman, this Canaanite woman. And they misunderstand that when Jesus doesn't say to a word, that he is sending her away. Um, right, no, you, 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 you can't. You can't from that. Um, silence does not uh, tell us one thing or another. His disciples wanted to send her away. Hmm. But we find out even more. Sometimes silence is left there for those of us that are going to speak to fill the silence and say something wrong. So we can be taught about that. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, yeah. For sinners, it's patience. It's holding your tongue. It's waiting to you. If you don't know what to say, you better not say the wrong thing. Just wait. Yeah, I, I think there are times absolutely uh, with that. Um, is that what this silence is? That Jesus is? Is Jesus a sinner? No, 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 no. He's being silent, waiting for a teaching moment of the apostles. Right. Maybe. Right. Um, there are times that it appears that our prayers are not answered, as if God is not listening, that He waits. Um, he brings the Israelites out of Egypt and he leads them to where they hunger and then he provides for them. Of course, this is the way our God uh, does it. He wishes to lead us. Um, those circumstances of themselves are not of any great importance. But why not use this in order that he might teach us so that they know who he is, so that they learn the other thing is quite interesting is there's even more going on here. He, she keeps crying out after us. She knows the word of God is promised. Yes. That's what believers do. You're what are the God disciples God. upset about? Jesus, I, I got this member that keeps bucking me. Send him away. Send him away. So, right, you're not, if you're not going to help him, send him away. What? It's not going like I planned? It's not going the way I planned. Exactly. Um, and they also, if they're going to stand in the place of God, in the stead and by the command of God, they need to have the comfort of Christ. They need to have the patience. They too need to be able to comfort, 
and to tell them, no, Jesus does love you. Um, but they don't. He answered and said, who's he speaking to? He's actually speaking to them. He said to them, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She hears this as well. Jesus says, now listen, there is the Gentiles and there is the Jewish people. And the sheep, the ones that belong, I've come for them. I've come particularly for the ones who have not been treated well, the lost sheep. I've come to for them. And it is true, Jesus is the Israelite Savior. Now, he is for all the Gentiles as well, but first he has to die and come to them for that purpose. Uh, Then they are to be a light to the Gentiles and that which follows. What he says is absolutely true, but it sure sounds like... Exclusive. It sounds like he's telling her no. But he is not. Um, Of course you came to be for the lost sheep of Israel. But what do we know about this woman? She's a believer. She's a believer. This is a woman who is now a part of the all. Anyone who is a believer is a part of the church. Anyone who is a believer, of course. This woman has come that she and she needs the comfort. Um, absolutely. So she comes and worships him saying, Lord, help me. She is undeterred by this. Um, of course you've come for the lost sheep of but you can help me. And then he finally speaks to her. He answered and said, it is not good. It's not good and right. This is not the way that you do things. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. There's food that's for the children and then there is the dogs. You don't take it away from one and give it to the other. Jesus has just called her a dog. And actually, in keeping with, we've got you know writings of the time, uh, um, it was very common for the Jews to refer to the Gentiles as dogs. Now, Jesus does use a different word. Um, the normal uh, word for dog is kuon, um, and by a dog they meant a kind of a wild dog that roamed the streets and, and things of this sort. Um, Jesus uses a different word. When they uh, describe it as a little dog, he's talking about a domesticated animal that was in the house, part of the family, that kind of thing. So, He doesn't quite use the same. The reason that the Jews would refer to the Gentiles as dogs is because they lived like dogs. They didn't observe clean and unclean foods. They didn't come and observe the cleanliness laws. They didn't observe the Sabbath. They committed adultery and all kinds of stuff. And so they said, well, you're just like the dogs. You live like dogs. Jesus gets close, calls her a little dog, a house dog. He says, you know, you're not supposed to give the children's bread to the house dogs. You would expect her at this point to finally go, well, silence was one thing. This vague thing about the lost sheep of the children of Israel, that's one thing. But when you call me a dog, you expect her to get upset, stomp her feet, and walk away. Um, 
obviously, uh, you know, he's not the person I think he is. But in fact, she does not. What does she do? She points out the people are kind, even the little dogs like that, because she knows that he wants to help. Right. And she says, fine, if you're going to give me a place at the table. Now, the place at the table happens to be under the table table as a little dog. But if you're going to allow me in the house. Yeah, just let me have the crumbs. I'll, you know, when you come and ask for mercy, you know, you don't come telling God just exactly, you know, what color car and what model and what you want. You come... Asking mercy. And so she says, I'm going to say, in fact, now I got you. Because guess what? You gave me your word. And when Jesus gives out his word, it needs to be grabbed onto. We need to hold on to those words because those words intend to bless us. And so she says, great. Before this, I didn't, you know, I'm trusting that you would help. I'm asking you to help, but... You know, you, if it is God's will, he may not. But if you're going to make me a little dog, I got you now because you're going to have to give me the little dog share. It's as you were saying about the Jews kind of saying, well, you can tell by their lives, you know, whether you're part of God's people or not. And she's saying, okay, then I'll be as humble as, it doesn't matter how humble my life is, that's not what it's about. Right, right. As we would say... I'm a terrible, rotten sinner. What do I deserve? Better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord is what pops to mind. Right, Psalms. Very good. Yeah, I, I mean, I deserve nothing. I can't come demanding anything. But if you'll take me in, I'll take it. If you'll give, you know. So what do you have for a little dog, Jesus? Because guess what? You always take care. And that's exactly what she does. Um, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. So you've now, by your words, and I can count on them as a promise, I know that you will at least give me the crops. Because that's that's the dog share. You just made me a dog. You just gave me what I don't deserve. I'll take it. And that's what he does. He, uh, 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 Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. So yes, Rachel, is he teaching? Of course he is. He's teaching the woman. She probably didn't know that she had great faith. None of us do. If the Lord has given that to us. Um, and here's a woman who's a Gentile woman who comes and, and she's falling at his feet and she's desiring. And yet she is the one who has the faith greater than all the apostles that are around there. And they've been with him, you know, for a year or so. Um, Going to be with him three years. And so, yes, uh, great is your faith. He's teaching the apostles. You can't always distinguish. Um, In the very same way, uh, uh, the person who has been called, yes, we have to teach men so that they are able to teach, that they know the the doctrines of God's word. But that being said, there are, the pastor is not the one with the greatest faith. I don't know who it might be. The Lord hasn't told me. But the Lord provides that. And there are, I think many times I look and I go, wait a minute, that person knows a whole lot more about God's word than I do. Yeah, but they made you pastor. Okay. Um, In the very same way, the apostles need to be taught that this woman, it is her faith, her clinging in the midst. They need to learn 
that who Jesus is. He is one who desires to help even though he delays help. Um, That's what they need to learn. Let it be for you as you desire. Um, With faith, small as a mustard seed, um, this is one who has great faith and holds on to Jesus. He heals her daughter at that point. He gives her uh, exactly, and, and you know, even probably more than she uh, uh, expected uh, in coming to him. Um, this needs to teach us as well to uh, to bear up under suffering, that we might know that though God delays, He is still promised to help and to be with us. Then, a question. Does that count? You know what? The Lord might give you great faith. Any faith saves. You believe in You believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yep. That's a faith. Now, when when suffering comes, when affliction comes, even when abundance comes, don't give up that trust in Jesus. Because that's what that woman did. She didn't give up. She held on to him in the midst of all of that. Um, That's the kind of Jesus we have, one who loves us and wishes to help us. Question? All right. Get out your blue sheet, a responsive prayer for catechesis. Please stand. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, have mercy and hear us. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me, and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, 
and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Psalm 107. that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. rivers into a wilderness, and the water springs into dry ground. A fruitful land into barrenness, for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He turns a wilderness into pools of water. And dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell. That they may establish a city for a dwelling place. And sow fields and plant vineyards. That they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them, and they multiply greatly, and he does not let their cattle decrease. Whoever is wise will observe these things, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. O God, our Heavenly Father, seeing that of ourselves we have no strength, keep us both outwardly and inwardly, that we may be defended from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray for man, say one, one, The final petition. O God, who has sounded into our ears thy divine and salutary oracles, illuminate the souls of us sinners to the comprehension of that which has been read, so that we may not only be seen to be hearers of spiritual things, but doers of good works, following after faith without guile, blameless life, conversation without charge of guilt, 
in Christ Jesus our Lord, with whom thou art blessed, and with thy most holy and good and quickening spirit, now and ever, and to ages of ages. Amen. We ask, dear Lord, that you would give mercy uh, to those requests that we have, uh, to those from Vint and others, and we ask that in your mercy that you might provide blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen.